you on this Resurrection Sunday. The, the Sunday of all Sundays, where we get to celebrate. We lift your name up high. We lift you up in our, in our midst. Thank you for everyone that's come this morning. Whatever reason we've come here today, thank you that you, God, are, are with us. Uh, bless the preacher. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Uh, it's so good. Uh, we... We've been doing this for, for, for about 18 months, and as you, prepare, as you prepare a sermon, as you prepare a talk, and then give it, it's, it's like you're pregnant for a week. You're pregnant for a week, and then you give birth, and then Sunday afternoon you become pregnant again with, with a sermon, with, with something that, that God's, been, God's been saying. I would love to talk about Resurrection Sunday every Sunday. It's the reason why we're here. If, if we don't, if, if Jesus isn't alive, then let's just pack it all in. Uh, there's no point us meeting together. And so this Sunday, all Sundays, I feel like I've been pregnant with, with this every week, every week. And uh, uh, I just want to give this talk back to Jesus. I'm dedicating this talk back to Jesus. Um, the privilege that we have, and I have particularly today, to talk about this man, Jesus. And we're going to talk about the story of his, of his, of his resurrection. So uh, we're going to open up, open up our Bibles, open up the Scriptures, and, um, and just go from there. But we really believe love is alive at the beginning of that, that, uh, that video, at the beginning of his show. He, he ends it with love is alive. Christ has come, Christ has died. Christ on this celebration was raised from the dead. And he will come again. He's going to come again. Yeah. Uh, uh, as, I was as I was being pregnant with this talk this week, I was imagining cheers uh, on, this, on this Resurrection Sunday. I, I was imagining us in a Pentecostal type church where we would all cheer and celebrate and get out our hankies and... Um, <laughs> wipe our brows. Uh, but we, we are in a moment at the, this time as, as followers of Jesus. We're in this moment between Jesus rising from the dead, having defeated, once, defeated death once and for all. And we wait, don't we, in anticipation for his second coming. And I love Resurrection Sunday. Uh, as I said, I'd love to res uh, celebrate Easter every day. But, but we, I do value, we do value days like this so we can emphasise it even more. Uh, because we forget. When we get used to something, we don't realise what we have. Isn't that true? In marriages or relationships or uh, church, we, we, don't, we sometimes forget. And uh, what I want to do is pick out some of the people that Jesus talked to on the... As he, as he was risen, who forgot, and we need to remember. It's the great mystery, the great glory, is that Jesus is coming back. But also today, he came back to life. And this literally changed the game. Most of us have watched uh, sporting matches where all of a sudden there was a game, there was a moment where it changed the game. And Resurrection Sunday was a game changer. There's little doubt that Jesus... Uh, Jesus lived and he died. Uh, in, in, the, in this week's Guardian, 
paper, it says, the historical evidence for Jesus of Nazareth is both long established and widespread. And it goes on to say, these abundant historical references leave us with little reasonable doubt that Jesus lived and died. The more interesting question, which goes beyond the history and objective fact, is whether Jesus died and lived. And this is the ultimate question of faith. So, uh, I think we, if you've got your phones, if you've got your Bibles, open up to Luke 23. And then we're going to jump into Luke 24, um, just with the time that we've got left. in that statement. If, uh, if you've been around the last few weeks, you know that we, we focus in on verses and uh, we sort of camp and we can't quite get out of verse 1. And, um, <laughs> uh, we've been doing a study on, on Ephesians and I think we're on Ephesians 3 or 
something. Um, but I just wanted to focus in on this thing about the veil. Uh, and it's hard to sum up in a couple of minutes what's happening here. So forgive me, forgive me for just taking some time here. The Old Testament <coughs> often gets a bad rap. Uh, the New, as New Testament believers, we often overlook and we don't fully understand it. Sometimes we see the Old Testament as this book about an angry God who's trying to get people to worship him. And the story is in the Old Testament. We see it. They mess up. There's murder. There's sin. There's adultery. Um, and those are just his followers. Those are just God's followers. And we see like God gets mad. And he's trying to get people not to sin. Or he's trying to tell people to tell his people not to sin. And we sometimes forget in all the numbers, the chronology, the weird prophetic writing, donkey speaking, Jonah and the whale, it's weird, burning bushes, uh, don't get me started on sex, but right in the middle, right in the middle of the book here, right in the middle of the Bible, God places this book called Song of Songs, and it's a book about sex. So it's weird. We look at the Old Testament and it's full of this. It's full of this. Um, I won't talk about it. Okay. Um, but what we sometimes fail to see in the middle of all the beginning of this book in the Old Testament, what we often fail to see is this golden thread that weaves itself through the scriptures. It weaves itself through. And I, I want to propose that we often fail to see this golden thread. I, we fail to see the meta-narrative in the Old Testament. And what I want to propose is one of the major themes was God's desire to be among his people. Throughout the Old Testament, as we see this golden thread of God's desire to be with his people, from day one, from day one, God wanted to be amongst his people. Uh, that's why God, he comes as a fire by night. And a cloud by day. That's why he walked with Adam and Eve and God. That's why he showed up to Abraham. And all Abraham had to do was look up and see the stars and believed. You find this constant theme. Blueprints he gave to Moses to build a tabernacle. It's God wanting to be with his people. If you look and if you read it with that lens, and in this context, we begin to understand the rest of it. Uh, that's why when we talk to religious people or, or unreligious people and they see this angry God, they just see this angry, angry God. When you realise God is actually wanting to be amongst his people, the Old Testament gets wider, it gets deeper, it gets uh, bigger. You begin to see with a much clearer light. So, let's go back to the veil. God wants to be with his people. And in history, because of sin, mankind's sin, um, there's this gap, there's this separation between God and man. And there's something, the Bible says, something's got to pay, something's got to give. And in the Old Testament, they, the priests, once a year, or, or during particular feasts, they would, they would go into the tabernacle, they would go through the curtain, and sometimes they would have... These priests would, would sometimes would have to have rope attached to their feet as they walked into the Holy of Holies because apparently in the Holy of Holies you could die. 
Because where there's God, there's, where, where God is, there's no sin. And so as you walk in, so often they would then, priests might die, so they would just grab, bring them out by the ropes of their ankles. And so they'd drag them out in case they died. And so we've got this context. Where there's God, there's no sin. Where there's human beings, there is sin. So there's this gap. And we have to pay. Something has to pay. And so with Jesus, he paid the ultimate price for our sin. All those things that separate us from God. When, when it describes here the veil of the temple is torn in two, it happened in the natural sense. So Jesus predicted he's gonna, the temple's going to be destroyed and he's going to rebuild it. We see it in the natural sense, but it's much more in the spiritual sense. The separation between God and man, mankind, no longer exists. In the next verse, uh, Jesus says to the Father, I give you my spirit. Jesus' life, he gave his life. It was never taken from him. Jesus never had his life taken from him. When we read the story, so this week I've been thinking about Jesus' face like flint towards the cross. You have to remember he chose the cross. He willingly died for us. The night before he was arrested, um, it was a, I'm not going to call it a quiet time, it wasn't a sort of a nice quiet time. He was asking God, is there another way this could happen? Is this the only way I've got to, to sacrifice? Is this the only way there's this separation between us and God and man? Is, the, is my crucifixion, is my death, is that the, is that the way? Is, is there another way? Is there another way that I can do this? Is there anything else apart from the crucifixion that I can go to? And the answer is no. And so the Bible describes what happened to Jesus during that prayer time. Uh, and it says that he sweat drops of blood. He literally, because of the mental anguish, sweat blood. But after that time of prayer, you see Jesus says, I'm, I'm in. He pushes everything in. He says, I'm in. And I'm choosing to sacrifice myself for mankind. I'm pushing everything in. Uh, and then after that, we see that Judas comes with his his so-called friends, and gets arrested. And again, Peter's like, with a sword, let me at him, let, it, let me at him, let me at them. And Jesus is like, don't you realise, I can call angels. In a, in a moment, I can bring a whole company of angels to defend me. Jesus chose to die, he wasn't <coughs> taken. Jesus gave his life, and now finally God gets to be with his people. You see, all religions, ideologies, are all about, if you, if you, as I've been thinking about this week, it's all about us bettering ourselves, us closing the gap. We recognise there's this gap. All religions will tell us, you have to perform this, you have to do this act, you have to kneel in this position, you have to give to this charity, and maybe you'll get close to God. So maybe on that judgment day, he'll let you in. If you do all of these things, maybe, just maybe, you'll, you'll get in. Materialism, one of the prevailing cultures in, our, in London, in our society, Western culture, it's exactly the same. If I get this product, or this item, 
or if I get this deal, or this particular house, or car, or phone on TV, I'll be happier. Um, apparently, if I spray a certain type of deodorant, I'll have dozens of women chasing me. <laughs> I have to find a beach, and I have to you know, do my hair. But apparently, if I spray a particular kind of spray, um, I, I have to do something. I have to, achieve, I have to close this gap. Um, religion, if religion's about pursuing holiness, materialism is about pursuing happiness. Either way, we never find it. But God himself, the beauty of, of Christianity is that God himself closes the gap. He came and bridged that gap. We don't need to close that gap. Jesus has closed that gap. That's why it's good news. That's why it's called the good news. Christianity begins where religion ends. And it begins at the resurrection. Uh, did you know that the amount of people choosing to follow Christ is, uh, is going at a faster rate than the, than the birth rate? Did you know that? That's good news, because it's good news. Uh, in the last two years, I've seen more people choosing to follow Christ than I have in the whole of my last 20 years. Put together, probably. Um, people have started to come to Christ by accident. We were at, a job, at the job club, and one guy, he was filling out his CV online. He was doing this on, online report, and uh, he, he came to a section about religion, you know, your name, your age, your marital status, religion. And he, he said, what? And we were talking, we were talking, and I thought he was talking about his mum, who was a Christian, and he was, and I thought, oh, so I'll just put Christianity as your religion. And he said, no, what, what's that? What's that about? So I just explained what Christianity was about. And I said, would you like to invite Jesus in as your Lord and Saviour? And he said, yeah. <laughs> it was amazing. It was an accident. <laughs> um, and so we prayed. So we're there. We, we sat down. We prayed. We prayed together. Um, I, I wasn't in that kind of, I'm not in that angel. You know how sometimes you're in... You're in evangelism mode, and I, I forgot, like, what do I do now? How do I pray? How do I? And so I found this book that we had, like, Why Jesus? There's some at the back. And I got to the, the end where it says the prayer, and I was like, okay, let's pray this. And so we prayed the prayer. We invited the Holy Spirit. We got baptized in the Holy Spirit. We felt warmth and peace and joy, which is great. We came back to this questionnaire. And uh, I said, so what would you like to take? He's like, Christianity. <laughs> and so he started to announce at the job club, I'm now a Christian. <laughs> and then he said, can I take a selfie with you? Because <laughs> I need to show my mum. I need to show my mum, the person that led me to Jesus. And so we took this selfie. <laughs> myself an evangelist, but I'm noticing it's getting easier. It's getting easier. I've got no idea. It's getting easier. 
people are people are coming. But my challenge is is that you might be in the middle of a great revival. You might be in the middle of something, but you might miss it. That happens all over the world. Outpourings, obvious manifestations, healings, miracles, power, worship. Uh, and people say, I can't see it. I'm like, look, I can't, I can't see it. Um, okay, let's move on. So verse 50 and 56 are all about Jesus' burial. What I want to do now is skip to, go to the beginning of chapter 24. And verse 1. So this is, this is Easter Sunday. Now on the first day of the week, very early in the morning, they and certain other women with them came to the tomb, bringing their spices, which they had prepared. They found the stone rolled away from the tomb. Then they went in, and they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. And it happened, as they were great, and they were, <laughs> and it happened, as they were greatly perplexed about this, that behold, two men stood by them, shining with them, and shining garments. Then as they were afraid, and bowed their faces to the earth, they said, why do you seek the living among the dead? He's not here, but he's risen. Remember how he spoke to you when he was in Galilee. Just go back. Um, I love that. They, they were perplexed. These were Jesus' followers. And they were confused. They were perplexed. And the, and the angels there was like, why do you seek the living among the dead? Um, just a couple of things there. You can't find life amongst dead things. There's no, remember, there's no life in death. There's no fear in death. Before, before this death, it was final. Before Jesus' resurrection, death was it. Jesus is now, he, he's conquered death. But on this day, 2,000 years ago, the fear is now taken out of death. We don't have to fear death anymore. Bible says this ain't it. This isn't it. It's not yet over. Death is not our finishing line. And I was just, I was just thinking, just as a sidebar, if you like, I was just thinking that there are people here who are, who are fearful of death at the moment. You're thinking about death and dying, and, and I just want to say there's no fear in death anymore. It will be the end of part one, but then part two comes. And it will last forever. Jesus rose from the grave. And I want to say some of you, some of you, we don't need to fear death. We go running towards it because we're going to run through it. Look at your neighbour and just say there's no fear in death. And say, the sequel's really good. <laughs> the sequel's really good. Jesus was the only man in history who, predict, who predicted his death. He was the only man who predicted how he was going to die. And he said he's going to conquer death. So the masses, they didn't get it. They, he spoke and they were confused and, and they were perplexed. And Jesus, he, he brought his disciples, his followers, and he explained it in more detail. 
He said, I, I have to go through this. I have to die. I have to be crucified. I have to die. But I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to rise from the dead. And so here, you've got these, you've got these people, and they've forgotten. They were perplexed. They were confused. Jesus spoke about him tearing down the temple and rebuilding it. Um, They just forgot. They just forgot. They were confused and they were perplexed. Jesus paid the ultimate price. Uh, he paid it for the ultimate temple, which is you and I. Um, so last last Saturday, we, we had the delight to lead someone to Christ on the streets uh, as we were praying for them. And uh, I, I just simply said to him, if you were the only one living, if you were the only one alive, Jesus would still come and die for you. If Jesus paid the ultimate price for the ultimate temple, which is you, you and me. Every time you look at this, the, the cross, the crucifixion, the death, the resurrection, I just think it's genius. It's brilliant. There are layers and layers to this brilliance. Um, for God not to just live among us, but to live in you, it's genius. It's amazing. It's incredible. Uh, remember God's desire. God's ultimate desire is to be among his people. And that, that's happened now. Let's skip ahead to verse 13. Uh, and then we'll try and draw it to a close. Verse 13. Uh, the road to Emmaus. Uh, and again, a couple of followers of Jesus. Now, behold, two of them were travelling that same day to a village called Emmaus which was seven miles from Jerusalem. And they talked together of all the things that have happened. So it was, while they conversed and reasoned, that Jesus himself drew near and went, went with them. But their eyes were restrained, um, so they didn't, did not know him. Okay, let's get going. So we'll, we'll come, come to this next bit. Uh, I imagine in my, in my sort of South London background that these are just two bad drivers. These are like two, two lads down the pub, having a chat, as we would. These are two guys on the way to a football match. These are two men just chewing the fat. They're talking, they're, did you hear about this? Did you know what's happened? Um, they were discussing this crazy story. That's gone viral. It's just hit social media, it's just gone viral. And they were, were relaying to one another what they've heard. What they've heard about Jesus. And guess who, show, guess who shows up? Jesus, Jesus slides in, doesn't he? And again, they don't know who, who he was. Like the people at the tomb, they didn't, they didn't, they were perplexed. These guys, they didn't even know who, who he was. The Bible says that these were followers of Jesus. These were people that knew him. Um, I love Jesus' question. Um, just go to the next, the next verse. And he said to them, what kind of conversation is this that you have with one another and you walk so sad? You can imagine him kind of coming up to them and again, inside, he's laughing. We, have you ever been in one of those situations where you know the story and people are slow to catch up? Or they're a bit gullible or they don't really know the full picture but you've kind of, you've kind of come in, oh, tell me what's going on, what's, what's happening? And 
You know exactly what's happening. This is one of these moments. Um, uh, inside, imagine them laughing. And I love, I love the response from these two guys. He's like, are you serious? Who are, are you serious? Are you the only one in Jerusalem that hasn't heard? You, man, you need to go and check your Facebook feed. You need to check your Instagram feed, your Twitter stream. It's just hit, it's blowing up. Uh, we're even taking selfies of each other. We're just, everyone's in shock. <laughs> and, and Jesus is like, oh, I think I've run out of data. Uh, I've, I've been in the woods, I haven't had any signal, I've been with some friends. I had to go somewhere, no signal. And these guys, uh, I, even, I even forgot to Snapchat what I ate last night. <laughs> this is just too, it's just too many. And Jesus there is just shrugging his shoulders. Uh, he says that, you know, again, this is my South London, New International Version Bible. <laughs> uh, what's interesting here is they're describing and they're conversing and reasoning. They're conversing and reasoning. They weren't asking the right question. Um, for us and for myself, uh, I don't spend a lot of time thinking or looking about why theology. Why hasn't this happened? Why not this? Um, because for myself, I don't trust my, my own human reasoning. If it doesn't lead us to Jesus, uh, you've got every right to question that theology. Last week, a lady was watching us as we were offering the prayer. And she was there for about 40 minutes as we were praying for people outside Sainsbury's. And she beckoned me over and she said um, she was a churchgoer and she wanted to ask me why. Why we believe in miracles. And it was a really, it was a really tough conversation. Um, and I just led her through some of the words of Jesus. What he says to us as followers of Jesus. What he describes as our either the Great Commission or the way we pray for people. Uh, it really didn't help. And she was getting more and more offended uh, that we would offer prayer. I was even trying to say, you know, Jesus spent most of his ministry outside of a building, uh, which she didn't like either. She was like, you can only pray for people in the, in the sanctuary. You can't pray for people outside of the sanctuary. And so I was trying to just open up some scriptures to her. Like when Jesus... I was trying to ask her, so when did Jesus pray for people in, in the sanctuaries or in the temples? Or where did he pray for them on the streets or out, out and about? And we could list. We listed like endlessly. But she got more and more offended and she wouldn't budge. She, she was accusing us of all kinds of things. And she was using rationalism, reasoning and experience to describe why God doesn't heal anyone. I pointed, I, I tried to do it, I tried to point out to her that we should just do what Jesus says and not try to use reasoning as our, as our main way of uh, having theological uh, experiences. Uh, it was really, it was really, really difficult. Um, I want to urge us, just like these guys, they didn't see Jesus when they were reasoning and rationing. They didn't. <coughs> They didn't see him. He, come, he comes alongside them. They didn't see who he was. Uh, let's read on. Uh, let's go to the next, the next page. So Jesus is spending the conversation. He's spending the rest of the seven miles describing who he was in, in the other scriptures. 
Do we have the next slide? Great. Then he saw. Again, in, in my mind, Jesus has got this twinkling in his eye. There's these two roads. They want to go to the village. He's beckoning. Oh, I'm just going over here. Known um, for well what might what may happen. And they, they said, no, 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 stay with us, stay with us. Come, uh, let's, let's have a meal. And this is, this is what, when it happens. Now it came to pass, and he sat at the table, verse 30. And he took the bread and blessed it and broke it and gave it to them. Then their eyes were opened, and they knew him. And then he vanished. He vanished from their sight. Uh, I think it's funny. When I read it, I thought it was funny. Uh, it's like a, a comedy sketch. They suddenly get it, their eyes open, and then, where'd he go? Where's he gone? Where's he gone? Uh, I've got lots of thoughts on this. Uh, but then these guys are back alone. They're back on their own. And they said, did not our hearts burn within us while he talked with us on the road? There was something about this man that made our hearts burn. Like I said earlier, Jesus can be with us, but we don't have a clue who he is. And it, I want to propose, it wasn't until they fellowship with Jesus. It wasn't until they ate with him, they were vulnerable with him. They got into his space, that they realised it was actually him. Um, our faith in Christ is one of the craziest things. Scholars, theologians are still debating this very act of death and resurrection. And how, how did it pay the price? How did it bring this gap together? How did now suddenly we're now no longer separated from God, but we're intimate with God? Uh, our faith in Jesus is, isn't just this one-time, uh, one-time, once-in-a-lifetime thing. When I was 16, I made a decision to become a follower of Jesus. In the last 25 years or so, um, <laughs> I've needed to not let my own space with Jesus grow. And, and Viv, Viv often tells me, uh, she can tell when I haven't been Jesus, when I'm not, because I get grumpy, I get moody, I get you know, irritable. We all waver, don't we? We all feel distant from God at times. Um, I've had times where I've been unsure of my salvation, where I've, I've allowed doubts about whether I'm actually going to get to heaven. I get, I get we're all going to die. Sometimes I've had doubts. Will, will I get in? Will they let me in? I know I'm going to die. Will they actually let me in? Uh, I'm not sure. Sometimes I've doubted the miracles I've seen. In my own life, in our own family, I've doubted the miracles that we've seen. Uh, people who've been healed, we've been healed. I've seen people healed and saved through us. But when I fellowship with Jesus, my assurance comes back. When I get intimate with Jesus, my assurance comes back. If I worship, if I'm thankful, if I'm up a mountain, that's when I tend to remember. And I'm reminded. And I often see the twinkle in Jesus' eye for me. And I just want to say this, don't let anything come between you and Jesus. Don't let any gap come between, between you and God. And the question I want to, I just want to leave really, 
What we're going to do is we're going to take communion and we're going to partake in, in what Jesus says. Jesus says, do this in remembrance of me. Just like all these people there that we've seen, they forget. We can't see. We forget who we are. We forget who is this Jesus. Jesus says, when you do this, do this in remembrance of me. And so we're going to take bread together. We've got some grape juice. And um, Jesus paid the ultimate price for the ultimate temple, which is you and I. And we get to, we get to celebrate. Um, what we're going to do is people are going to come forward and um, the band are going to come and they're going to play, play us a song. Use the song as a, as a time to just reflect. And then uh, in your own time, just come and take, rip a piece of the bread and dip it into the grape juice and then uh, grab the seats again. Can you believe this if you've never seen it? There's another story, I just don't have time to go into it, where, where Jesus, he meets with his disciples, and Judas is there, and he's, um, uh, sorry, Thomas is there, and he's known as Doubting Thomas, and he's like, I can't believe it unless I see it. I just want to believe this. Can you believe it, even though you've never seen it? So, um, take a moment, listen to the, 